Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. you had a wonderful weekend sports talk mississippi streaming at super talk tv supertalk.fm and of course on your super talk mississippi radio stations on this monday afternoon welcome to the show in the pearl river resort studios pearl river resort the home of the dancing rabbit golf club visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com and book your tea time or plan your trip today we would love to hear from you on this Monday afternoon on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business backed by world-class IT, uh, IT professionals who have solutions and who live where you do, and that's right here in ceasefire country. Online, super talk, uh, nope, that's not right, ceasefire.com slash business. Hey, boys. How was the weekend? Well, it couldn't have been better. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I sent you a picture. Just, I meant to do it last night. I just sent you a picture of the best part of my weekend. Hey, Dad, it was the grill last night. Oh, kind of, kind of a that uh, is a, an outstanding picture, though. Yeah, it was. It was a good finish to the weekend. We uh, went with uh, bacon wrap fillets and some salmon fillets and uh, some asparagus and stuffed mushrooms. So. There were there were twice baked potatoes in the oven. I didn't try to smoke them. Not saying that I couldn't. I just didn't. Why not? Yeah, smoke twice baked sounds great. I mean, we could. I'll give it a go sometime. It just uh, it didn't fit. Uh, That's last a great night. looking spread. Yeah. So yeah, that was. Uh, I thought it was the best part of the weekend. So maybe we should just talk about food all afternoon. What do you think? Well, I won't lie to you. I wouldn't mind that, to be totally honest. I love a good, I love to talk food. I'm sure a little, I'm sure at least half of our listeners would probably prefer that today. But we got other things to talk about. And of course, prevalent among those is the fact that I believe the date is July 13th. Richard Cross, we've already got the white on today. We're just going to add a little maroon to it. Hey, then maybe we can do that cheer that's so original over and over and over and over. Yes, uh, we, we, I, I may I may have you do that. Yes, actually, I'm afraid. I think that's we're going to be out of town on July 13th. That, that day's wow, not Richard gonna Cross not going to make not going to make the Palmer Home Radiothon. What a shame! Yeah. yeah, I thought he I thought he cared about the people in this state, but I yes. guess not. 
I do. Uh, what a weekend of baseball in Starkville. So yeah. let's um, let let's start. And we'll have our normal Monday. We will uh, we will visit with Scott Barry, Southern Miss, big series sweep this weekend, uh, playing good baseball within one game of first place in the Sun Belt Conference standings. We'll get to Scott Barry uh, coming up about ten minutes from right now. Uh, Chris Lamonis will join us in the four o'clock hour. Mike Pianko scheduled to join us in the five o'clock hour. So we'll do the Monday kind of unpack the weekend thing. But let's just jump right in. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, obviously you are frustrated and you feel like maybe one, possibly two games got away that, that you had a chance to win. If you're a Mississippi State fan, you feel great about winning a series and the crowds and all of that. If you are, and I know few people probably listening right now, um, fall into this category, but if you were not directly tied with your heartstrings to the outcome of those baseball games. What a weekend of baseball. A one-run win on Friday night for Ole Miss, 3-2. to two. A one-run walk-off win for Mississippi State on Saturday, 8-7. to seven. And a two-run win, 5-3, to three, yesterday, where State led 3 to nothing. Ole Miss came back and tied it. And Mississippi State got the big home run. If you had to summarize the weekend briefly, how would you do it? I mean, it was the best of college baseball. Great games, great atmospheres. The only thing was missing was numbers by the team's names. I mean, imagine what those games are if that's number three versus number five or something like that. That's that's the only thing that was missing. You had great drama from both sides. You had outstanding players making big plays. I mean, there was just there bunch was just of home a runs. lot to like. Some tank bunch bombs. Bunch of home runs. I mean, as you, you mentioned there, you know, I sat next to Mark Etheridge all weekend from D1 Baseball. We're going to try to have him on with us tomorrow, I believe. And, I mean, he was just enthralled. He was like, this is the best of college baseball. I've gotten three great games, three great crowds. What on earth more could you have asked for? And, and you know what? Hey, Dad, if what you started off with there, if it had been number three versus number five, and if it had been eight versus 11, the way we feel about the weekend would be different, right? Because you'd have two teams that played three games that were decided by a combined four total runs. You would believe in both teams. You would talk about the drama, and you would talk about the fact that both of those baseball clubs are going to be hosting in the first week in June. They've both got a chance to be national seeds. But because you don't have those numbers by the names, the story after the fact is altogether different. Mississippi State feels better about itself at 5-10, and 10, but they have a daunting second half of the season schedule. That doesn't change just because they won two this weekend. Ole Miss is in dead last in the SEC at 3-12, and 12 with the number one team in the country coming to Oxford this weekend in LSU. Schedule gets a little bit easier down the stretch, but they've dug themselves such a hole that, you know, Hoover right now is a goal ahead of even being a regional team. There's so much that's got to happen. And and so the lens through which we look at the three games is crazy. Yeah. Borky, how would you yeah, summarize I mean... the weekend? Uh, loser leaves town. I, I really believe that that was the case. And, uh, I mean, seriously, I, I do think that, uh, the, 
the math was working against both of these teams, whoever lost the series. And, and so Mississippi State... Uh, and look, I mean, Ole Miss is not statistically eliminated. If they get a couple of sweeps... down, I mean, but they have to go... What is it, 11-4? and four? to reach last year's conference record down the stretch for a team that hasn't won an SEC series yet? Nine and six. Didn't they go 12 and 18 in the league last year? Isn't that right? They were they were seven and 14, and then they won seven of their last nine conference games. So that oh, that's, would be... That's 14 and 16, isn't it? Yes. Wow. So they have to... A team that hasn't won a series yet has to go 11 and four to get to 14 conference wins. Uh, seems unlikely, and that's you know all the, all the Pollyanna stuff about the atmosphere is absolutely true. I mean, record-breaking crowds. Um, no college baseball series outside of Omaha has been watched by more people than that one. Period. Yeah, like there's no qualifiers yeah. outside of the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. There has not been a series watched by more people than than that one. I mean, that that's special. But the uh, and, the stakes, as Haydad pointed out on Friday, and I think it was a good way to put it, there's no, there weren't really any stakes, but there was a ton of pressure. Yeah, and, and Lamone has pointed that out in the press conference. He's like, you know, you don't play in a, you won't play in a bigger crowd ever outside of playing in Omaha than you played in on Saturday. And he says, but when you when you're in Omaha, that that crowd is fifty fifty at best. You know, there's there's usually some a, a lot of unbiased observers watching. There's more pressure, you know, for Ole Miss and for State playing at one of their stadiums in front of those kind of crowds because everybody is in, you know, on one side or the other. And if you're, you know, I thought I thought the ninth inning, the pressure not only got to Ole Miss's pitchers, I thought it got to Nate Dome for Mississippi State as well. You know, he he goes into the, the ninth of the lead and just didn't didn't put it together, gives up the lead, but then Ole Miss does the same thing in the bottom of the ninth. I thought the, the pressure of the crowd got to both sets of teams late in the game Saturday. This is this is Friday night only. So just to, you know, you probably could have done it for any of the three uh, days this weekend. Dodgers on Friday night had fifty two thousand two hundred ninety eight. I think they hosted the Cubs. Is that right? Doesn't matter. That's right. Uh, Mississippi State had fourteen thousand seven hundred thirty nine on Friday night. LSU had eleven thousand six hundred seventy five in Baton Rouge. The Oakland A's had 11,102. The Marlins had 10,961. And then Arkansas, who was at home on Friday night, had 10,562. You had two SEC baseball games on Friday night that drew more than a couple of Major League Baseball games in big cities, big markets. Yeah, the Miami Metro was what, like 7 million people in the state of Mississippi's under three? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Mississippi State's not the only baseball team here in the state. I mean, it's it's hard to fathom. It's really hard to wrap your mind around that that they're able to do that. Also, uh, sidebar: saw a picture from the fans' vantage point at the Hog Pen. What a horrible way to watch a baseball game! Terrible. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Wait, they, if you're they, out they need there, to tear that. Yeah, if you're out there, you're not watching the game. There's no shot. All the, there. the few thousand people that are hanging out there, not watching baseball. Yeah. Not a pitch. We will uh, we'll spend a 
probably the majority of the show this afternoon talking about the uh, the weekend that was. We got two spring football games to talk about in uh, in Starkville and in Oxford. But coming up next, we're going to chat with Scott Perry, the head baseball coach at uh, at Southern Miss. His team got a sweep of James Madison this weekend in Hattiesburg. They are now ten and five in conference play. We'll do that next on Sports Talk Mississippi. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. There's going to be a little bit of looking ahead because of what is coming up this weekend, but first we will look back. I'll give you a quick peek at the conference uh, standings for the Sun Belt. Coastal Carolina currently at 11 and 4 in first place. Southern Miss tied for second at 10 and 5 on the heels of a sweep this weekend at home against James Madison. Scott Perry joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Scott, if I if I ask you to summarize the weekend because it was three games that were a little bit different on each of the the three days. How would you summarize this weekend for your ball club? We were kind of tested in all aspects, to be honest with you, Richard. And Friday night was uh, a little bit different than the other two. Tanner uh, Hall, our Friday night guy, who's usually really lights out. You know, James Madison gave him everything that uh, he wanted and more. Uh, he, you know, he really hadn't been hit like that. I don't yeah. think Tanner had his best stuff, but don't take anything away from James Madison. Uh, their approach and their plan really, really uh, worked well against Tanner, but. You know, sometimes uh, when pitchers don't have their best stuff, the good ones still win, and that's what he was able to do on on that Friday night. We got, you know, if you look at the the stat column, they out hit us fifteen to nine. Uh, we made three errors, they made one, but the only column that really counts when it's over is the run column, and we came up one more than they did, and with a win seven to six. So, uh, you know, real proud of the way our guys stayed the course with that. And uh, James Madison wouldn't go away, but we were able there late in the game uh, with, with some really strong relief pitching from Cross Sibley and, and Justin Storm to preserve that win. Yeah, to, I, I kind of did a double take when I was looking at the, the pitching line for, uh, for Tanner. I mean, 12 hits, you're just not used to seeing that. But that kind of speaks to who he is as a competitor, doesn't it, to, to still be able to get into the sixth inning and kind of keep it there even though he's giving some hits up? Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, the, the good thing is, is that offensively we were able to, to score runs for him and, and it didn't hurt us as far as that goes with him not normally giving up runs. But on this occasion, you know, he did give up five. Three of those were unearned. And like I said, we, we lost the error column, uh, that night making three errors, which has been real uncharacteristic of us, uh, of late. We've played really good defense, but, you know, uh, just, proud of the way that he went in there and kept kept us going and, and got into the sixth inning to, to not get in there and deplete that bullpen with, with two games to go. I feel like you made a good decision not to uh, not to bench Slade Wilkes for the rest of the weekend after going 0-4 on Friday night. I think that was a good call to go ahead and pencil him in for the next two days. 
Well, I tell you, he's he's seeing the ball really well and uh, is getting really good swings, and he's not missing them. And certainly, his his numbers are showing that as well. So he really came up big for us in those those next two games on Saturday and Sunday, and really couldn't be more proud of a guy. He's not he's not playing totally healthy. You know that that hamstring every time he takes off running to first, especially on on something that he's got to run hard. You know, I just say my prayers that he's not going to pull that hamstring worse than it is, and. As long as he keeps hitting home runs, he just jogs around, and that's what I told him. Just keep doing that, and you don't have to worry about pulling a hamstring. But now he he's fun to watch right now. Yeah, I was gonna say you just you uh, you hit it over the fence, and you can uh, take your time. You don't have to put any extra stress on uh, on that. All right, so so seven to six on Friday, and then in game two on Saturday, Billy Oldham gets the start. He gives you six innings and only gives up one hit. I mean, what a huge performance. And I, I feel like this also is probably where we should pause just for a second and, and talk about Matt Adams and, you know, what his status may or may not be. Well, you're right. And, Billy, we moved him to the weekend because of Matt's uh, uh, shoulder problem that, that we had last weekend at Old Dominion. Not sure when that time line is for him to return, but Billy's been covering us really well in the midweeks and, and knew he was worthy of that, that, that weekend start. But, you know, we'd had some guys that were covering it pretty good, but with the injury with, with Matt, um, you know, that, that was a no brainer to put Billy there. You know, he's, he really pitches, um, Richard, I mean, he's got three pitches for strikes and, and commands all three and can plus and minus you. And that's exactly what he did through six innings against Old Dominion. And, you know, he only threw 73 pitches. You know, certainly I feel like he could have gone another two innings the way that he was doing. Um, he, uh, he, he just wasn't throwing many balls. He was, he was really pounding the zone, but we had the four hour delay. So we weren't able, obviously, to bring him back. And it was really a tale of two different games. The first game was the first half, the six innings. Neither team got on the board. It was, um, zeros all the way through. And then the seventh inning, when we resumed play four hours later, uh, we were able to, to retire them. Will Armistead, you know, did an outstanding job covering three innings of relief for us. He's been throwing well his last two outings. So, uh, but we responded with a five spot there in the, uh, in the bottom of the seventh. And, uh, you know, it all got started by one out walk by Nick Monastere, who's a, a freshman, two freshmen from, uh, from Northwest Strike. And that's really, uh, been, been inserted in the lineup on Sunday of last week and has responded well. And, at second base, but he got it going with a walk. And Dickerson, who's been swinging it well, gets a two RBI single in there, and then Slade follows up with a three-run homer. Next thing you know, it's been no offense for for six and a half innings, and then all of a sudden there's five on the board in a matter of no time. Did you guys have some lightning that was mixed in with the rain, or was it just raining so hard you had to take? No, it, it was it was a mix of both, mix okay. of both. That's uh, that certainly is tough to go through that. That plays out well for you. And then in yesterday's game, I mean, you, you talk about setting the tone. You you give up the run in the top of the first, but then you go three in the first, three in the second, four in the third. You put five more on in the fifth, 15 runs, 15 hits. That's a day that feels really good walking away from the ballpark, I would think. 
It does. And, you know, the, the best thing about that first 10 innings is seven of them came with two outs. And, you know, those are always backbreakers. And we, we as coaches are always talking about the importance of two out hits and, and, and how that just demoralizes that, that defense. And they're almost out of it. And, and then you're able to, to drive those runs in. And that's what we were doing. And, and we haven't done that all year. So it was, it was refreshing to see us yesterday do those things, especially early on. But, uh, but you know, once again, Wilkes and, and Sargent, you know, if we can get Sarge going, then we get protection for Slade. But, you know, Slade hits uh, two two home runs yesterday, a three-run homer, a uh, grand slam, and then he got a sacrifice fly. So eight, RBI, eight mm-hmm. RBIs on the day. So not a bad day at the office. All right, I know you're a big focus on the game that, that's next, and you better because you got to go to Ruston on, on Tuesday night. I, I understand that. But, man, so many eyes are on this series this weekend in Conway, South Carolina, right outside of Myrtle Beach. This is part of the whole Southern Miss going to the Sunbelt Conference that we've all been looking forward to. Got to go to Coastal Carolina, really good program, and a really good team that's sitting in first place this weekend, or going into the weekend as well. Yeah, they really are. Of course, you know, you, you said it right. I'm not going to look past <laughs> La Tech whatsoever. Uh, you know, great program. Lane does a great job over there. One of my best friends. Uh, so, you know, he'll have them charged up, and we need to go over and have a good midweek showing, which hasn't been the best that we've done this year, in all honesty. We haven't, haven't played well in the midweeks, but hopefully, uh, you know, we'll continue where we left off yesterday and go over and play good baseball before we head to Conway. But you're right. I mean, Coastal Carolina, you know, it's a program not too many years ago won the national championship. And, you know, a lot of times that's unheard of. And uh, non-Power 5 schools that can do that, and they were one of them. And they went the tough way. They went through LSU, I believe, that year to, to yeah. do it. And uh, But, you know, Coach Gilmore, I've never met him. I've talked to him on the phone. We're, we're anxious to meet each other and talk a little bit. And But I know he's got an outstanding program. Obviously, they're playing very well. They took the series at Old Dominion. It took them 10 innings yesterday to, to do that on the road uh, to win that series. But very offensive team from what I understand with their numbers. And it'll be a tremendous challenge to go on the road once again and and uh, and try to win try to win that series from a really good coastal team. Well, that's a great ballpark. I mean, you'll have just an outstanding setting for that uh, coming up this weekend. I, you brought up the midweek. What happened with Alabama last Tuesday night? I mean, I know that's a good Alabama team, but but that's kind of an unlike your team performance. Yeah, you know, I wish I could put my finger on it. I really do. Uh, really disappointed in that one, but you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that we were able to to bounce back on Friday, and and that's what we told them they had to do on Tuesday. And you know, basically, I mean, we got took to the woodshed. I mean, we didn't do anything in any aspect of that game to to have a chance to win. I mean, we fell behind right off the bat, two to nothing. You know, Armistead threw three uh, three innings of, of shutout baseball, but we knew we were going to have to use him on the weekend. So three innings was the max, and we really kind of pushed him a little further than we wanted. But you know, we just we couldn't keep them off the board, and we couldn't get on the board. And when you do that, then uh, you're not going to win many games. So we uh, we asked them to forget about it and move forward, and and certainly that's what they did. Responded well with those three wins, but. Yeah, well, that was a that was a tough night. A long drive there and a long drive back. 
I can I can imagine so. Well, a a great weekend for your ball club, coach. We as always appreciate your time. We'll be uh, keeping up. Big week, Louisiana Tech uh, tomorrow night, and then head to Conway for the weekend. All the best. Thank you, Richard. That's Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to have you along for the ride. Um, let's. I don't even know where we start. I think the visual of the weekend maybe is a good place to start. So hey dad, we were we were kicking numbers around on Friday before we finished up the show. And we kind of got to a well, you know, without too much trouble, if you have this, this, and this, if there's 16 on Saturday, and let's say you have 13 on 13 on Friday night and 16, and then you go eleven on Sunday, you can get to forty thousand people. We undersold it just a little bit, and part of the reason we undersold it is because there were almost 15,000 people there on Friday night for Game 1. 14,370 night for Game 1. The new on-campus attendance record in Game 2, 16,423. And then for Game 3 yesterday... With the series hanging in the balance, and it would stand to reason that Sunday's crowd was going to be a little bit smaller, but not a lot, 12,824. It looked spectacular. Just absolutely spectacular. And and you had the weather to match. I mean, it was partly cloudy on Saturday. Yesterday was just, you know, I, I tweeted, you know, this is why Chamber of Commerce Day, why that, why that phrase was invented, just a blue sky, Cool breeze, sun in the sky. Um, yeah, I mean, so everything everything worked out baseball wise as as well as you could possibly have wanted it to for Mississippi State in terms of you had great weather, you had you know great atmospheres, and then you had three really great games. You let one get away from you if you're Mississippi State, but yes, the the, the from a just a viewing standpoint, I mean, you saw the best of college baseball. And that's a testament to the fans here in this state because, I mean, college baseball, I think, matters here. You know, you can say more than anybody else. Maybe maybe in Louisiana, you know, with LSU, but you have two fan bases that could, you know, don't, don't, don't say anything about it. You know, if Ole Miss had a stadium that held 16,000 people, that's, that game could have gotten 16,000. 
Sure. It's just that's that's how much it matters. You know, and I I, said, I made this comment. I said one of these days they're just gonna they're gonna put some walls up in a football stadium, and we're gonna play this game at Davis Wade or at or at Vaught Hemingway, and we're gonna put it in front of forty thousand because you could do that. I really do think that. Just because, why not? Right? <laughs> why not? Why not do it? Um, you know. You said Mississippi State let one get away. And I think that that is absolutely a perspective, right? They lose 3-2 to two on Friday in game one. And you can say, oh, that one kind of got away. As Ole Miss got a single run in the top of the eighth, a single run in the top of the ninth, and then Mississippi State got a run in the bottom of the ninth, and it wasn't enough after the solo home run, and Ole Miss wins. I think you could look at it, Similarly, and oh, say that on Saturday, Ole Miss let one get away. They did what they had to do to mm-hmm. retake the lead going into the bottom of the ninth inning, but then they gave it away with three walks and a ground ball through the left side of the infield that got through. And then Kemp Alderman bobbled the ball in the outfield, and there was no play at the plate. I would have loved to have seen what it looked like. right? If he feels it cleanly, and, and that's not I would love to see what it looked like because Ole Miss, like, yeah. Just add to the drama of the thing, and who knows? Next batter might have gotten a hit and won it for Mississippi State. But Kemp Alderman has a cannon. If he fields that cleanly, not that deep in left field with all of his momentum coming toward home plate, maybe you got a close play at the plate and you get the second out a of the end. play inning. at the plate to, to take that game two of a series and force a rubber match is, is awesome. I will say well, no. I, that, that that it still would have been a tie game, and there would have only been two outs in the inning. So we don't know what would have happened oh, yeah, after that. Yeah. But it's like you yeah. might could have just ratcheted the drama up one more notch. Mm-hmm. So, but I the, thought I thought the same thing in the top the top of the ninth on Sunday too. I was positive that like Gonzalez or Groff were going to hit one out and make it a one run game and then get to Alderman to finish it off. Ooh, that would have been the, the tension there. I was I was we 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 were all up there. We're just like this this, this series deserves yeah. one more Alderman at bat. You know. Hindsight is is twenty twenty, but also I had we a lot of people had some foresight on this. I understand that the this individual got a strikeout to end the eighth. I, I get that, but when you start the ninth inning in a game in which you are leading by one by walking a guy that has really struggled at the plate in SEC play, with a guy that has blown multiple leads this season on the mound, you can't be surprised at that result. I mean, we talked about it on Thursday. It, somebody else needed to be in that spot. And and you put the leadoff man on, and then Tequoyan has to come in in front of the largest crowd to ever watch a home college baseball game in the history of the sport with a man on first, as opposed to starting an inning clean yeah. when, you're, when you're pitching to, with all due respect to Larry, a guy that's been struggling in conference play. Instead, you put him on, and he can run, and then... It leads to the game tying and then game winning run. That- yeah, but but even after that, and, and I agree with you. I mean, that was a big ask for Mason Nichols, given what had happened in this re- week and what had happened in in recent weeks. But when State goes sack bunt to get the runner into scoring position, you're like, okay, you you just you you did what you were supposed to do. Mississippi State did what they were supposed to do, right? They get a guy on, get him into scoring position with a sacrifice bunt, and now you got. Couple of opportunities to try and get the winning run or the tying run at the time. Ole Miss did what they were supposed to do. 
They give you an out. Sacrifice. That's what it's called. Take the out. Don't get cute and try and get the lead runner at second base. Mike could have? Maybe? They showed the replay, and I was like, eh. But that wasn't the right play. The right play was get the out at first. Get the out, yes. So now what do you do? Okay, now you got to make some pitches. Instead, you walk two more guys in the inning. Base is loaded, and you bring Dakota Jordan up. And he's the hero. He might, might be the hottest hitter in the country right now. Yeah. And it's a guy that sat for a couple of weekends because he wasn't swinging it yeah. well. But has come back and has responded exceptionally well, and he is now the newest entry in the lore of the history of the series between Mississippi State and Ole Miss in college baseball. He's only a freshman. Um, I asked you guys earlier at the beginning of the show to summarize. Also, the pipeline of Dakotas, by the way. You, you can't not mention the fact that Mississippi State uh, like owns the if name If your name Dakota. is Dakota... And you're a good athlete. You got You should come to state. You just. You got a good chance. Feel, feels like it might work out for you. Instead of a Hall of Fame, there's yeah. going to be a Hall of Dakota. Hmm. There's the, South North Dakota, South Dakota, and really South Dakota right now. <laughs> that would, by the way, be the Ron Polk Dakota Hall of Fame. Just, <laughs> just so we. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. In summarizing the weekend across the three games. Mississippi State made more big plays in big moments. And that's why they won two games. There were opportunities. I mean, think about, think about the course of the three games. So Ole Miss wins game one, three to two, three runs on 12 hits. That game shouldn't have been close. Ole Miss left a ton of guys on base. There are a bunch of missed opportunities for that game to not have any drama or any tension at the end. Ole Miss gets it done in game one. Game two? You, you got to make the pitch. There were more opportunities where Ole Miss had base runners where the it could have been tied instead of having in game two to need to get two runs in the top of the ninth to take the lead. Those two runs in the top of the ninth might have made it a, a three-run game or, or a four-run game. So some missed opportunities along the way, and then you don't make the pitch, and Mississippi State, in the biggest moment, with the door cracked, takes advantage. Got a little bit of help. But the big clutch play in the really big moment. Mike Bianco talked about it yesterday in his post-game interview. He said they had stars and heroes this weekend. They had more stars and heroes than we did. Which they've had more stars and heroes in this series for approaching a decade now. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Uh, Sure they have. But it was specific to this weekend and why this weekend's results were what they were. It just feels like that's uh, the, an annual thing. And, and I don't know what that means, because you guys know me. I think that measuring yourself against one other team is a stupid thing to do. I think it's dumb, because there, there are soon to be 16 teams in the SEC. You should measure yourself against 15 teams, not one. However, when your rival owns you the way Mississippi State owns Ole Miss right now, there, there needs to be some self-reflection as to why. And it feels like that right there is part of it. In this series, there, there's been close games like we had this weekend often. But who made the play in that moment? Mississippi State. On an almost annual basis. I will say, I think both coaches, if you had told them the total number of runs they were going to give up this weekend, would have been thrilled. Probably yeah. thought they, they had a great chance to sweep. 
I mean, we we said all week there was going to be offense, offense, offense. Pitching showed up this weekend. State didn't walk guys, and they won games. Yeah, and and for Ole Miss, it was starting pitching that showed up and gave yeah. them a chance. And bullpen let them down a little really bit. Did. The starting pitching was really good. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. I listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Start of a new week. We'll get into winners and losers. You can be thinking about yours and you can send them to us on the ceasefire text line. That's how we will uh, start the 4 o'clock hour, as we always do on Mondays. Can we just talk for a second about Cole Ledbetter's from a knee Cole flick Ledbetter. of the wrist? Say what? Colton Ledbetter, yeah, the the, yeah, the, the golf sorry, swing. He could have he could have pitched he could have pitched uh, used a pitching wedge there. That ball How did was he low. Get that ball out of the park. I don't know. He said he was just he was looking for the breaking ball there, and he just went down and got it basically. I mean, it was it's maybe six inches speed. off the ground, and his back front, knee was yeah. less than that from the ground. He was basically on yeah. one knee when he hit it out. Yeah. Mm. That great upper body, great upper body strength, I guess. I guess so. It was uh, it was really yeah. No, that impressive. was a golf shot there. Yeah. It was. yeah. Hey, on the uh, on the Hunter Hines home run that they reviewed that you never actually saw the ball during the uh, the review, so they went with the call on the field as standing. Um, did it look fair or foul to you? In the press box, we thought it was fair, um, but I mean, of course it was did, high but... up enough. Well, I mean, I'm sitting next to a guy from D1. He said he thought it was fair. I'm messing but with you. Again, I know, I know. But, I mean, that's just a situation where, yeah, I felt bad because the the, the review was useless. There was no re- camera angle that you could see the ball clearly. Um, so you do have to go with, with the call on the field there. I thought it was fair off the bat. Though. <laughs> Let's send this one to Birmingham. All right, where was the ball where – oh, I'm sorry. Wait, where's the ball, period? We yeah. don't see the ball. Um, call on the field stands. There it is. No, that's a, a pigeon. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So. So. Here's what it is. Where do these teams go from here? Every step of the way for State is going to be a grind. Uh, 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 oh, oh, they have to work for everything. They can get to the postseason. They can get to the NCAA tournament. But it is going to be the hardest thing they've ever done. Because they, 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 they don't have any kind of wiggle room. They have to, they have what, uh, 15 games remaining. Mm-hmm. They need to be eight and seven. If they're eight and seven, that means some 13 and 18, they, 13 and 17, they will, they will get into the NCAA tournament. But that is going to be a hard eight wins to get when you consider who they have to play. Eight and seven. You think third, I mean, 13 is an uncomfortable spot. The RPI. It is should be pretty. State's good. RPI is twenty four right now. That's the thing. Last year, State was six and nine at this point, but their RPI was like in the sixties, and we were just like, "Well, if they keep winning games, they'll be okay." Now it's just they got to find the right number of wins because their RPI is twenty four. 
I mean, if they go crazy and somehow finish with like 15 conference wins, they might be in the discussion to host as a, as a 15 or a 16 seed. Yeah, but that's 10 and five over the final 15 games. That's 10 and five. Yeah, I mean, that's you you, you know what you did pitching wise and hitting wise for the Saturday Sunday games. You got to bring that every game. So Auburn this weekend on the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it could be tricky. Tommy Vale was really good Friday night for Auburn against Alabama. But Auburn and has they not lost two out of three to Alabama. Yeah, they yeah. lost two out of three. Two weekends ago against Texas A&M, did you know that in that doubleheader that they had to play because of the uh, the rain deal, uh, Auburn walked 25 guys in those two games of the doubleheader. I feel their pain. So Auburn, and then a road trip to Tennessee. Which five suddenly ten. beatable Tennessee? Yeah, Do- doesn't feel quite as daunting as it once did. I mean, you can win a game there if nothing else. You can win one game in that series. All right, let's play it out. Mm-hmm. We'll go two against Auburn. Mm-hmm. One against Tennessee. That's three. Mm-hmm. Arkansas at home. You got to get I- one. I got to be honest. I don't know how they're doing it, but Arkansas is eleven and four in the league. They're really good. They're just a good team. Yeah, but, but yeah, but but how? Yeah, they don't have anything. But that stands how? Out. I mean, they're like their offensive numbers aren't that Some, great. Their pitching numbers aren't yeah. that great. But golly, they geez, just they find just a keep way. But you got to get one. Just all right. Get so one. that's four. Don't get swept. All right. At LSU, going to be really tough. You have to say to get, get one. one. But, they have not. They played five series to, and they haven't swept anybody. They haven't yet. swept anybody. You got to get one. Yeah. All right. So you got get one. one. That's five. All right. Texas A&M and Starkville really, on the final weekend of the regular season. To your math, you have that's to in, That's in College Station. That's in College Station. No. Is it? It should be. In Starkville. Thursday, Friday, State Saturday, played? May 18th, 19th, 20th. I thought State played at A&M at, uh, at home last year. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just looking at HailState.com yeah. and the oh, baseball schedule. okay. Well then, you have to work at home the final week. I I think the better because now you're saying you got to get three, right? If you're going to sweep somebody, with your math, you have to sweep those three to get to eight and seven. Might need to be, might need to be this weekend to get the sweep. On the road, if you can, or get two at Tennessee. Oh, now 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 you're pushing my ability to hypothetically do things, or, or win one you're not supposed to. LSU's really banged up right now. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up. Winners and losers next. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Blame it all on my roots I showed up in boots And ruined your blind tie affair The last one to know The last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise And the fear in his eyes When I took his glass of champagne I toasted you, said, honey, we may be thrilled, but you'll never hear me complain. 
Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon. You can uh, learn more about what's happening there at PearlRiverResort.com. That's PearlRiverResort.com. We do want your text messages with your winners and losers from the weekend. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395. Visit ceasefire.com or stop by your local ceasefire store. For all of the solutions that you are looking for, whether it is for wireless, fiber to the home, or business internet, that's cspire.com. Um, we do remind you that there is one last chance for you to win tickets for Morgan Wallen coming to Oxford and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you one last chance to win tickets. It's simple. You can register to win the last pair available of sweet seat tickets by going to Super Talk Mississippi's app. It's the Super Talk Mississippi app. If you don't have it, grab it. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. Open the app, click on Contests, fill out your info, and you are immediately entered to win the last pair of sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen in concert this coming Sunday night. Been talking about that for a long time. It's finally here. You guys excited? You coming in town? Getting early? You going Saturday night, Sunday night? What? What's the plan? I'll be in Oxford next Friday. Oh yeah, you will, won't you? Yeah. Other than that, though, that that's that's the following Friday. That's not this coming Friday. Yeah. That's Friday week. Yes, next next Friday. I thought you might want to come in and see Hardy and Morgan Wallen. I, I just had something come nah. up. Ah, okay. I'm gonna be there. At a boy. Um. Ava Montgomery's fifth birthday is coming up, and uh, and so she got. Concert tickets for her fifth birthday, and she's excited about that. There's a little bit of a twist in this thing. The weather forecast. Uh oh. The high on no, it's gonna be sunny, or mostly sunny. The high on Saturday or Sunday is 59, and the low's like in the 30s. It's like you know, the the outfit that she had planned for the concert concert is all of a sudden taking a a bit of a longer sleeved, longer pants turn, which is okay with that. By the way, Richard, Richard, in a ten-gallon Stetson, a duster, and a eight hundred-dollar pair of ostrich skin boots. Can't wait to see it. A duster. I think yeah. I could pull a duster off. I do not own one. Oh, you could pull it off. Uh, I don't. I don't have a cowboy hat anymore. I don't know where they'd sell them. Oh, well. Yeah. Probably just a ball cap and something warm, bud. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably how it's going to be. <laughs> maybe, maybe go yeah. with the boots. All right. Hey, we're putting it off. Let's get to winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. You know how it likes, uh, how it works. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? The things you liked, those are the winners. The things you didn't like, those are the losers. I don't know. There are about a million different ways that we can go. I'm starting with 6, uh, 16,423. Tip of the cap. It was, I mean, hey, Ed, you told me the plan was to break the record 
State fans showed up in spades. You, you told me that there were still people coming into the stadium in the sixth inning. There are a lot of people yeah. that didn't see much baseball, but they were there, by golly, to say that they were one of the 16,423. And then Mississippi State delivered to uh, to go along with it. Good for them. They showed up in time to see the important part, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I suppose. So, I mean, look. The, the crowds at Duty Noble are legendary, and this is the next chapter. I mean, it's the you know the most crowds of fifteen thousand or more, the most crowds of twelve thousand or more, and now a, a new on-campus attendance record. Somebody pointed out earlier, I think it was Mike. He's like, you know, crowds of games have been played in front of bigger crowds. Yeah, I know they have. I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech at Turner Field on a Tuesday night, sure. San Diego State played a game at Petco Park, okay, sure, whatever. It was a novelty. It was an off-campus novelty. This is. This is college baseball the way it's meant to be played, on campus, and it was just absolutely incredible. So, um, tip of the cap. It was it was spectacular, and uh, and the dogs delivered. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. I got a few winners, but I want to get a real-life one out of the way here. Mike in Oxford, one of our most mm-hmm. loyal listeners, uh, you know, he reached out this weekend, wanted to grab some lunch with me. I didn't have time to do that. But he was one of the guys who got there early on Friday, and in doing so, he got the commemorative Ron Polk statue. Uh, they handed out some miniature ones, and he reached out to me. He was like, "Hey, you know, would you like this?" So, Coach Polk now sits here. If you're watching on Super Talk, there it is. Hey. Sits here on my desk. Nice. Uh, the only thing I wish was there was like a little button that you could push where it says that's baseball. That's the only thing I wish about this. But Mike's a class act. He and I like to get on each other's case because that's what state fans and Ole Miss fans do. But really appreciate him doing that. Really nice gesture. Uh, from Mike in Oxford, so I appreciate that. A real life winners. winner. Oh no, no, no! You, you just yeah. you use your turn. We'll move no, on. No, I'm good. I, I, Borky, I, I, Borky, I have four. I don't yield my. I don't yield my time, sir. Your time is time. Parliament. Oh, I think you just yielded your time there, <laughs> buddy. I've uh, been censored. Well, and yeah, right. th- this this is one that Hey Dad's not gonna like. Uh, it's golf. Uh, the RBC Heritage was awesome uh, yesterday. Oh, I thought he was actually gonna let you finish. I didn't know he no. was gonna move on. No, I'm moving no, on. He's taking it away. Uh, I did not yield my time. It was excellent yesterday. You had a great leaderboard. Uh, it, playoff holes and drama and the visuals mm-hmm. there at Harbortown are are awesome. And Matt Fitzpatrick, when he seems like one of the good guys. There's one thing I didn't like though, and and hear me out before you call me woke or whatever. They were chanting Snowflake. USA, USA for at Jordan Spieth, hoping he would win. Now, I am all about patriotism and all that, but Matt Fitzpatrick, yes, grew up in England, but he's made his home in the States for over a de- like 12 years. He's an American. He's an American citizen now. Isn't that like what we want? Is people from other countries to move here and excel? Like, isn't that the whole point? I don't know. I found that odd. It's like, wait, this guy's an American too. He's he lives in Jupiter, Florida. He went to Northwestern. Like, he's dating an American girl, and they're gonna get married. And like, he's an American. He's a Floridian. What are you talking about? Aside from that, no. Hey, was, I, no, 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 no. This is this is some. Which, which team does he play for in the Ryder Cup? He's an American. Which team does he play for in the Ryder Cup? Yeah, is he allowed to represent the states? I don't think so. USA, USA, yeah, well, he won USA. Anyway. But no, I. It, like, it's it's whatever. The scene was incredible. The the golf was great. The the two shots they both hit on seventeen and then missed the putts uh, in the playoff hole. 
uh, was just great. All of it. The elevated field events are awesome, and that was a great move. John Rom getting on the broadcast was awesome. I mean, the, a lot of good things are happening right now in pro golf, despite the division with Liv. It didn't feel like they were missing stars yesterday. Uh, Mr. Cross cedes his time to the gentleman from Starkville. Appreciate that. Uh, we got a bunch of them to go time through. Time is up. Let's carry on. <laughs> Mississippi State won. Ole Miss nothing in soccer October the 13th. Mississippi State 24, Ole Miss 22, November the 24th in Oxford at the Egg Bowl. <laughs> Mississippi two. State 64, Ole Miss 54 in Starkville. Men's basketball, Ole Miss six. I'm sorry, Mississippi State 69, Ole Miss 61. Men's basketball in Oxford, and then in Starkville, Mississippi State eight to seven on April the 15th and five to three on April the 16th. All that makes is Brian Haydad a winner. In the bet over Richard Cross, and as a result, Richard, would you like to know what you're going to have to do? Do you want to know now? Do you want me to go ahead and tell you? Sure. Do I have time? Okay. I spoke with MSU, uh, the athletic department. We will have a Mississippi State football, basketball, and baseball jersey for you to wear. Be like the Oscars. You're going to change outfits at the top of the hour, mm. and uh, you will be you will be living that three stripe life. For Mississippi State on July 13th. Can, can they also send a helmet and a baseball hat? I'll see what I can do. Don't overdo I don't know about the helmet. He's got to do, do the show. To He's got to have the headset on. Do I get to keep the jerseys? No, absolutely not. Hold on. Hold on. There's a reason I was asking. Mm-hmm. As part of playing out the, the good nature of this, not that anybody would care at all about an autographed Richard Cross Mississippi State jersey, but we could auction those off as part of the Palmer home thing. These were the jerseys I'll that ask. Richard had to wear. We'll see. Whatever. I can ask. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay, wonderful. Give me, don't get me a nickel black. Get me a good-looking baseball jersey, not that crap. You're wearing all maroon, baby. I'm going to get maroon 85 for you. Okay. We'll be back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. I feel like we should start with some background. Hey, Dad. Uh, Chris Lamonis joins us, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, coming off a, uh, a, a large weekend for the Bulldogs, winning two out of three against Ole Miss. So, Coach, back in July of 2022, we... Oh, um, I already we, told it. Oh, he knows the whole Palmer Holmes story? <laughs> he knows. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, so, so thanks to the exploits of your baseball team this weekend, apparently I will be donning Mississippi State gear on uh, July 13th of uh, 2023 as we try to raise money for Palmer Home. Thanks for that. That's awesome. That Palmer Home, that's a great, that's a great benefit. Just let me know. I'll send you something over. All right? If you need gear. We, we, we look forward to it. Uh, it's a, a great organization, and uh, people have been incredibly generous. Uh, Coach, what a weekend. Yeah, it was a uh, good baseball, but also a, um, you know, what a crazy environment. Our, our people here in-house, our 
athletic department did a great job. Our fans showed up like like never before, and uh, just a lot of fun. What are you going to take away in terms of like the mental image when you think back to this weekend and specifically the Saturday game where you guys set the record, you know, somewhere down the line? When you think back to that day, what's the the image that's going to pop into your mind? Well, I think a lot of it's probably uh, the Dakota swing there at the end. Um, just watching our kids get a chance to celebrate and uh, have a big moment and a big time. I mean, you know, you hate to host that game and then not win it. You know, at the top of the ninth, I felt like I was going to puke after we gave up the lead. But, um, you know, being able to see our kids celebrate. And then we've had a tough season, you know, obvious. But them to have a day like that was pretty cool. Coach, you gave up 13 runs on the weekend. Ole Miss only gives up, I think, I think did the math here, 16 runs. I think if we had told both you and Coach Bianco on Friday that was what was going to happen, both of you would have felt really good about your chances to take the series and maybe even get all three games. Ten walks is the is the number that stands out to me. Only ten walks. You've had games with ten walks. And did you feel like you turned a corner pitching wise this weekend? Well, I think it's a couple things. One, we've been working, just talking, working uh, bullpens, trying to get balls in the right part of the strike zone, and, and being aggressive and having more success. That's one piece. And then the other is, you know, having Kate Smith back on Friday night kind of settles the rotation. Aaron Nixon back, what big innings he had all week, you know, and it just kind of everybody gets in a, in a better role and back to their normal spot. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a big piece of it, too. I asked Mississippi State men's basketball coach Chris Jans this question when his team was going through some struggles and they started to come out of it and winning games. But do you feel like the postseason kind of starts for your team now that you've got to start winning games and you just don't have a lot of room for error? Can you go ahead and take a postseason mentality here in the middle of the April, middle of April? Well, I think um, I don't know if it's postseason mentality, but just back against the wall. I think our kids understand that uh, we already had our hiccups early. We don't we don't have any more, and so we have to be really focused and and locked in on every weekend that we have because we need every win that we can get you know and we can we still control our own destiny we have a really tough schedule on the way out but um if we play like we did this weekend we we have an opportunity to get on a roll and play good baseball and um when you go through something like we did if you get out come out the other side um you know it brings a lot of confidence to your team chris we talk three or four weeks ago about kind of the the emotions, the the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, all of that stuff. But but you kept fighting, and you you told us just unequivocally, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, I think two weeks ago, that your team was getting better. You're getting healthier and that you were getting better. Does that now, like, is there some payoff when you win two out of three so it's not just words that are coming from a coach and your guys actually really start to buy in and believe that? Yeah, there's a lot of it, especially on a weekend like we just had. You know, I mean, I think um, when you're able to perform in front of those type of crowds, um, putting together last year, even South Carolina, you know, we're, we're ahead late two of the games we lost. Like, we just we felt like it was turning and our practices have been better. Our uh, Our health is getting better, knock on wood. Like, it's just... It's a combination of everything, but when you start to win, it starts to become fun again. When you go to that week like we did with Kentucky and Vanderbilt, you know, the game's not fun, and it can be a little suffocating around here, you know, and so um, for them to be able to breathe a little bit and be able to play this game relaxed a little bit is, is uh, 
a huge piece. And, and our practices have been really good. In the last couple of weeks, I just we've practiced better, more upbeat, you know, and I think that really helps going into each week. Is there a, uh, a blessing in disguise with the, the Southern game being canceled on Tuesday to have a week where you can give your guys a day off, you can go through your practice and, and kind of rest a little bit as you go into this second half? In some ways, um, I would rather play because I, I like to, to be able to go out and play and get at bats. And you're going to have to find those during the week here a little bit and, and make sure you stay sharp after a weekend. Um, and then we had a lot of guys that didn't pitch us. We pitched so well that a lot of guys that didn't pitch. So uh, I'm in favor of always playing. They just had a rain out on uh, Saturday and Sunday and had to make it up on Tuesday. So it just it was nothing we could control. And um, so we'll, we'll make the most of it. In some ways it could be. Maybe we just a little more rested and um, they get that night off and can catch up academically a little bit and then get ready for Auburn. Coach, you think about all the players you've coached, all the freshmen that you've coached through through the years. How close to the top is Dakota Jordan for the most talented guy? Yeah, he's up there. Um, you know, I, I spoke with him today, and you know, early in the year we probably put too much on him because he had been so good for us all year and struggled. You know, this is just a big stage, and it's fun to watch him play on it right now because um, you're seeing his real talent. He can do about anything in the game of baseball. You know, he runs extremely fast. He throws. He's a good defender. There's, you know, he hits for average and hits for power. So it's, um, and, and he enjoys, you know, I think he probably enjoyed that atmosphere more than anybody this weekend. He didn't look intimidated or tight or anything this weekend. He was uh, an ultra competitor. There was really big news last week, not to take any of the, the shine off of this past weekend, but there was huge college baseball news last week in terms of some changes to the recruiting calendar. Uh, what you guys can do in terms of contact with kids now, not until the, the start of their junior year in high school. Can, can you give us your thoughts on that and, and kind of what this change means for, for your baseball program and, and for similar programs in the SEC? Well, I think it's going to slow down recruiting. That's the purpose of it. And, uh, I, I pretty much, I like it. You know, we've signed some early kids before and I've had a lot of early kids that we've gotten and committed and been great players for us. And, but it's also a tough evaluation when you're taking somebody at 15, 16 years old. And so you got a little bit, you know, either way. I think it'll benefit the SEC schools because their junior year, September 1st, you know, if they're really good, we'll, we'll, SEC schools will have the opportunity to recruit them and probably get a lot of the better players. So, and it gives some of your life back to your coaches. You know, I can't tell you, know, it's hard to recruit a senior class, a junior class, but can you imagine sophomore and freshman? I mean, yeah. That goes all the way down, and you have to call them and talk to them and, and see them at tournaments, and it's, it's a lot, you know. And so um, maybe the focus can come back to the athletes we have on campus a little bit more. So, so, Chris, what about the guys that you have that have committed to you already, but they are below that age? And is, do you now have to end all contact with them for a year, maybe two years, but theoretically? Good thing. Yeah, we have some freshmen committed, and uh, – and we'll stay committed. We'll go still go see them, um, but we just can't talk to them right now. So we have to have we have we have about two weeks to have those conversations, or probably less than that. Probably about ten days to have those conversations with their families and stuff, and so they understand the rules. But we'll be out to watch them play, and they'll still a lot of them still come to our games. And we had a bunch of them here this weekend. So, um, but you know, it's just a it's a different time. But yeah, I think uh, you know they'll they'll stay committed, and we'll stay committed to them. 
Coach, you've got about a minute left. You had to make a, a decision this week in your lineup. You know, Saturday you start David Marchand at second because of Monty Larry has a has a migraine and couldn't go. Then on Sunday he gets to start at shortstop. You know, Lane Forsythe has had his moments this year. He's also had his struggles this year. Is that just going to be a a feel thing, or, or is Marchand sort of forcing his way into the lineup? Well, I definitely think David's forcing his way in the way he's playing, and you know, it, it, it was disappointing our last scrimmage in about the eighth inning. Uh, and he was playing really good. He pulls. He has a major hamstring pull, so it put him out for about a month. And so um, him getting back and being in the mix is has been big. And, you know, obviously we've had Lane out there. Lane's a great player, um, a special defender. He's just not playing great right now. And we play a cruel game, man. This game can get in your head and mess with you a little bit. Um, I've never seen him work harder. So you got a kid is out there, I mean, giving it everything he has, you know, in practice early, whatever. But right now, David's probably the hot hand, and we're going to play David for a while and see how things go. We're going to need Lane. I know we're going to need Lane at some point in time. And, uh, you know, if he gets maybe away from the playing field for a couple of days, maybe it, it helps clear his head. Chris, really appreciate your time. Congratulations on a, uh, on a great weekend series win. We look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks. You as well. That's Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Bulldogs get two of three from Ole Miss in Starkville. Super Bulldog weekend at Duty Noble this past weekend. we got more coming up with you. Let's talk a little spring football when we come back. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. To Chris Lamonis for joining us. Scott Barry earlier today. Mike Bianco coming up in the five o'clock hour today as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along for the ride. You want to be part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line is open at 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. So let's talk some spring football. Got a few games that are still set to happen, I guess, this coming weekend, kind of across the conference, but both Mississippi State and Ole Miss played their spring games on Saturday. I don't think you will find a more entertaining spring game, maybe in all of college football this year, than what you had at Vaught Hemingway Stadium on Saturday. Now, Lane Kiffin, for his part, said that's what he wanted. He wanted a fun game. Pete Golding told me before the game on the field on Saturday that they had three defensive calls. Three. And you could tell. He said, eh, this thing may be 82-81. We got three calls on defense for this game. And uh, it wasn't 82-81. It was 53-52. And they rolled Close up 1,200 yards of offense. And seven of those points were manufactured when they wanted to uh, create some drama at the end. And give the red team a chance to try and go down, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion and win it and it was for what it was, it was fun. It was a fun watch. And I think there's a lot, not a little, a lot to take away 
from the spring game. Now, in terms of what it means for September 2nd, maybe not. But there's some stuff to talk about. There is. The the context is needed, though. I, I, I have seen and talked to too many people that, for some reason, think what happened on Saturday like carries a lot of weight when it comes to deciding who a starting quarterback is. And I think... I mean, Lane Kiffin, on the broadcast, when he was talking to you, got really mad at two things. One of them was a guy got tackled to the ground, and that really made him mad. I, he was genuinely mad about yeah, that. I, I don't that think there's happen. anything else he was actually frustrated with. And then the other one was, I mean, he was joking, but also you could tell that they weren't calling anything to put on film. They didn't want anything on film. And there was a couple of plays that were a little bit more intricate, and he was like, you know, hey, what the heck, guys? I, I told you not to put stuff on film. What are you doing here? Yeah, so so I actually think he didn't even care about that. And and here's why. So in our coaches' meeting with, with Lane on Friday afternoon, he talked about when he and – it was an offshoot of the, the tweet about the Florida game, the fire emoji, the 7-7. And he was picking at Billy Napier a little bit who he knows and likes because they were on staff at Alabama. I guess there was some overlap when, when they were there. And so he would, in seven-on-seven drills, call plays designed to win a drill and beat Alabama's defense, and it would send Nick Saban into absolute fits of rage. Well, then they would break for the next period... Lane Kiffin would stay on one end of the practice field with the quarterbacks. Billy Napier would have to go down there, and when they just would get read the riot act by Nick Saban, it would just have to kind of take it. And so I think he was amused by that process, and I think his guys knew that. And so I think that, you know, it, it, part of Nick Saban's thing was, oh, all you're doing is calling stuff just to win the stupid drill. It doesn't matter. Well, he had two coaches yeah. that he kind of gave the reins to the program of on uh, on Saturday for, for their teams, and his point was they were just trying to kind of right. win the drill. And, and so context is needed. because And what's so funny is people can watch the same thing and have completely different conclusions. Like in one of my group messages, in the middle of the second quarter, of the, you better not tackle each other because I don't want any of you getting hurt scrimmage. I got, Dart sucks, and Dart is way better. Spencer Sanders is this team's quarterback, and also, I'm not impressed. It's like, it's the same thing you guys are watching, and you're a quarter and a half in. I guess what I was trying to say is, if you think that that carried more weight than like the totality of the spring, you're, you're approaching this incorrectly. Sanders looked like a guy that had started for four years. And he looked like a really good athlete who mm-hmm. throws the football well. And you also saw kind of what's plagued him at Oklahoma State. Had a underthrown, poorly thrown, bad decision turnover. Yeah. You you saw that all. You saw Jackson Dart have better decision making. You saw that he's still a good athlete and can run the ball. And you saw that he is still not perfect throwing the deep ball. Now, there's a couple of them. One that should have been caught. Another, Watkins was interfered with, and that was a perfectly placed football. But then he missed a wide-open guy right over the middle that would have been a touchdown, and you overthrew him by a step. Yeah. And But but that game, game is, is not weighted more than the totality of what's happened this spring. And if they can keep both, what will happen this summer and then also in training camp. 
people are trying to draw conclusions, and I don't think the Grove Bowl is where the coaches are going to draw conclusions from, if that makes sense. It makes sense. It does. Um, If they manage to keep all three of these quarterbacks on this roster through the summer, into camp, nobody transfers out, which means Spencer Sanders transferring out, that's a ridiculously talented quarterback room. Jackson Dart's your returning starter. Spencer Sanders has got as much experience as any quarterback in America. And Walker Howard looked really, really good. Now, he hasn't seen everything yet. His body needs to develop a little bit more. But there is real arm talent. I'm talking about real arm talent with Walker Howard. And touch. So... We got all yeah, you, summer you long said to it talk right about on the broadcast, by the way. There, there was a, a ball that was caught, but it was out of bounds. And you said to Doring, you're like, and there's that arm talent. Like, it wasn't even a completed pass, but that throw was like, that was the most impressive throw of the day, maybe. It was on the near side. Mm-hmm. I don't know the directions, but the left end zone on the near side. And yeah, you pointed the, it out the right west corner. Yeah, and, and that was like, that was the most impressive in terms of raw talent thing that happened from a quarterback that day. We have plenty more to get into with spring. Hey, Dad, give me uh, a couple of observations from the maroon and white game inside davis Wade City. Run the dang football. Quite a bit of that on, on mm. Saturday. Um, I thought Will Rogers, the, the deep throws that he made were good, accurate on target. I think State has got some real playmakers in Tulu Griffin and Xavion Thomas. Those guys are going to have big years. Uh, and then defensively, you know, they've got playmakers there as well. Kamari Rogers had a nice interception. He'll be have a great chance to replace Emmanuel Forbes. Um, I thought John Lewis and, and J.P. Purvis and Deshaun Page both look good. Or I'm sorry, all three of them look good as they'll, they'll try to replace Tyrus Wheat. Um, kind of the same situation. I thought they were very vanilla defensively, and a lot of starters didn't play on both sides of the ball. Woody Marks didn't play. Um, Crumbly didn't play very much. Pickering didn't play at all. So I thought, for from you know from a state perspective, just running the football more and running it the way they did was encouraging. Yeah, there's a couple of defensive fronts that I'd be willing to bet Zach Arnett does not allow the team to run when the season not, begins. Not a lot of that two one eight front. Yeah. No. I don't think. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of guys that were out for Ole Miss, uh, starting offensive lineman Jeremy James, Jaden Williams did not participate. Dayton Wade, uh, no go. Quay Davis, Braylon Brown did not go. Hudson Wolf, I think he still has both legs, but he was not a participant. Um, defensive side, no Cedric Johnson, no DeAndre Prince. Jacavian Brown was out. Trail Stinson. Uh, Ty Malone did not. He he practiced once during the spring. One practice. Um, suffice it to say, Pete Golding is looking forward to the opportunity of working with Taiwan Malone. Um, said in seeing him with one practice, the potential is through the roof, and he has maybe the highest ceiling of anybody on that defensive side. But we'll see what that that looks like. Yeah. Um, Josh Harris popped. I'm going to tell you when Joshua Harris popped for me. 
So the field before the game, and I looked up, and they were doing like little line drills with defensive linemen. And I looked up, and this guy was coming at me. 6'4", He doesn't look 6'4". He looks 6'2", 340. They list him at 6'4", 325. This is the transfer from NC State. Something Cole Kublik about him yesterday up. morning. Say what? He's got the numbers mixed up. Well, maybe. Four and the two, you know. And, and Cole was like, hey, is there anybody that stood out to you? I was like, well, this guy from NC State, Josh Harris, he's like, oh, he's a wrecker. He, he said, now, he may only make three plays out of 20, but on those three, he will blow it up. Um, I thought John Saunders, the transfer from Miami of Ohio, he had like 13 tackles, and he's the one that had the interception. And a position change as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, they moved him, what, from corner to safety? Mm-hmm. He was, he was a cornerback only at Miami. Of Ohio. And, and Will his, Levis hated playing against him, which, you know, may not yeah. say much, but anyway. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. I, uh, I forgot in my haste for us to get to some college football conversation for us to uh, go back and grab a few of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line. There was this one in particular. That sends us a, uh, a link. 56-year-old retired postal worker achieves, achieves dream of playing college baseball. Okay. But the story doesn't pop up when I click on the link. So that's a winner. <laughs> I can't get the link to work. Borky, does it work for you? Nope, page not found. Maybe it's maybe it's because it's in two links. Let me see if I can make this work. Oh, this is great radio, by the way. Yeah, it's because it cuts off. You're going to have to copy and there paste. There we go. Uh, Jim Fullen... At the age of 56, is a freshman player on the Montgomery County Community, uh, Community College baseball team in Pennsylvania. It was a lifelong dream for him to play college baseball, and he is finally getting that opportunity at the age of 56. Um, it's hard for me to watch the entire video story right now, but g- good for them for helping this guy's dream come true. But he can't play. Uh, the, I didn't want to say it, but they, the the f- first couple of swings they showed on this news story for me. And, and again, is... may, look, maybe maybe there's more to it. We just can't watch the video like in real time while we're in the middle of the show. So uh, maybe there is a, a an extremely heartwarming story there, and and they're giving the opportunity to. to but if it's just a 56 year old that always wanted to play baseball, that swing's got. There we go. All right, moving on. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and check that out. Winner, Slade Wilkes and Southern Miss. Yeah, eight ribbies yesterday, 11 on the weekend. Three home runs. Pretty good. Pretty yes, good. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess Bubba has this as a loser. 
Keep your freaking shirt on. Horrible. Me, me, me. Mm. Oh, come on. Mm. Come on, man. Um, I don't know if this is a winner or a loser, honestly. In the preface, I was not at the game, but it feels that Mississippi State's attempt to break the attendance record was at the cost of people enjoying the game. I read post after post after post. People saying they left early because they couldn't even see the field. What did they expect? We told you that last week. If you went to the game to be part of a record crowd and you didn't have a seat and you weren't on the front row of the drink rail all the way around and you weren't at a rig and you weren't in the lofts, you weren't seeing the game. You just got to soak it up for what it is. People wanted to be there. Yes. Nearly 17,000 of them. Um, Richard, such a good sport with Palmer Home always on your mind. It is a spectacular place. Yes. John and Meridian, I agree with Richard that these stupid black state baseball jerseys need to be burned. They're awful. Uh, they're much better this year. They're better this than they year, were. The new yeah, ones. Yeah, the than state they script ones are not. It's it's the black pants that Richard doesn't like. He doesn't mind the black jersey with the white pants. It's the all Yeah, black I don't mind jersey. it, but I don't really see a reason for it either. Like Mississippi State's like baseball uniforms are really good when they are done right. Really yeah. good. Yes, I'm on, I'm on record as that. Yes, I mean, uh, I, I love the pinstripes. I love the maroon 85s. Is that right? Yes. And then the, the, the white V-neck, that was the 85 home jersey, right? Yes, they're, they're maroon and white 85s. Did they, did they ever wear the solid white top with the V-neck? Yeah. Not very often, though, right? No, not very often. Okay. Anyway. They do wear it. Yeah, whatever. Um, winner, Mississippi State women's golf team played for an SEC title yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a grind. That tournament's a grind. To get to the championship match yeah. is a big deal. Texas A&M won it, but that's, uh, that's really good stuff. Uh, Jeff and Oxford, winner, Florida's Jack Caglione for hilariously not celebrating his Grand Slam home run. Did you see what happened? After the pitcher got run? Pitcher got run. Yeah. Yeah. And he hits a home run, and he just arms to his side and just like a statue. Once he gets about halfway from third to home, and he doesn't high-five a teammate, he doesn't make a facial expression, he just touches the base and just lightly jogs back to the dugout. Does not touch anybody, doesn't high-five anybody, no expression, just statue from a ho- from the middle of uh, the distance between third and home, about halfway home, mm-hmm. all the way to the dugout. It's so funny. Yeah. A bad injection earlier in the game, too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make it about you, Mr. Umpire. Don't make it about you. It's n- nobody's that, interested you. Yeah. I was amazed Bianco didn't get run on Saturday when he was arguing about that home run. On the fair he, foul home run. He did everything in his power to get thrown out of that game. That umpire had some patience. Yeah. Uh, a couple of others. Winners, Coach Lamonis and Scott Foxhall. It's a new entry to the winners category yeah. this year. Deserves it. Yeah. Um, now it's time winner. for them to make it matter, though. They've got these two series wins and so momentum, but momentum means nothing unless you can keep it going, you know? That's right. Kelso in Ocean Springs says, Winner, Commanders fan, every day gets better and better. There is a new owner of the Washington football team. 5 o'clock hour college football fix is next. Oh. 
If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour in the Pearl River Resort studios. Visit them online at Pearl River Resort for a full list of things that are uh, that are coming on, uh, coming up, coming up, just around the corner, like as we roll through the spring and into the summer, some really cool events that are uh, are happening. Uh, you can buy tickets for the upcoming Jeff Foxworthy show on Saturday, June 3rd at the Silver Star Convention Center. Tickets available online at PearlRiverResort.com. you got Sawyer Brown coming on May 27th as well. And we, Have we missed Fluffy? Has that already happened? No, that hasn't happened yet, I don't think. I thought that was that later. Was maybe that's like, maybe tickets Sawyer are Brown, coming yeah. later. That's right. That's yeah. right. PearlRiverResort.com for the full list of uh, tickets that are available. Buy your tickets online and enjoy those shows that are coming up. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, C Spire text line if you want to be part of the conversation, 601-879-4395. Stop by your local C Spire store or visit cspire.com for all of your wireless needs plus your fiber to the home Internet questions and business IT services. That is at cspire.com. Let's do a little college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford Tough including the F-150 F-Series, 46 straight years as the number one selling truck in America. So we talked a little bit about spring games. Um, hey, Dad, but let, let's go back to Mississippi State first. You talked about running the ball. Um. Zach Garnett pushed back with you last week about the idea that this was uh, some wholesale change to the offense and that you were feeding into the media narrative and blah, 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 blah. And then... (laughs) Yeah. um, I thought the first thing that really stood out to me is this, that Tulu Griffin in the slot, I mean, that's where he should have been the past few years. That's his natural position. And that, that was a mistake by the... By the pre, I know. I, I feel like, I mean, like yeah, I'm not you, you, Mississippi you State football guy, but I feel like I. Okay. No, you're not. I mean, you, you and me and then Robbie Falk and Michael Borky, we've all been preaching this for the past years. And then you see, I mean, I I had a feeling that that early on in the game they would get his hands on the ball in a running play, and they did. It was an end around, and it went for a 43 yard touchdown. And he's like, well. That's what you're going to see. And, and Xavion Thomas kind of the same way. Those are the, the two biggest playmakers you have. I like Justin Robinson, and I think he can be a great possession receiver. But for big plays, it's Griffin and Xavion. And, and that's where you know I think State's focus is going to be. 
Um, I like what I saw from Jeff Pittman and Seth Davis in the running game. Those guys are going to be battling Simeon Price for that backup, although State's looking at a transfer who was here this weekend from Penn State to possibly come in and play that play running back, you know, to back up Woody Marks, uh, who did not play on Saturday, didn't get a single carry. So, for you know, offensively, yeah, new formations. You did saw he the tight ends out there. He did, he did, but he did not play on 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 Saturday. Okay. So I, I don't think it's a health issue. I think they just like we know what you can do. Let's let these other two guys We're get good. the carries. Okay. Um, you know, I, I thought you know. For the most part, the offensive line was pretty good. You saw with Mike Wright that you know he can certainly run the football, but as a passer, a lot leaves to be desired there. And so, if you are a person who's like, "Oh, I don't know, he might really push Roger," you can get that out of your head. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Will Rogers is the guy there. Uh, but but Mike Wright showed you enough with the, with the legs that you can see what Mississippi State's going to have him do. Specifically, they had a goal line package where he just fakes the RPO and walks into the end zone. I'm like, I pretty much can guarantee first and goal from the five, first and goal from the four, you will see Mississippi State bring Mike right in and attempt to do that very thing uh, right there. So, But offensively, at the end of the day, you know, they scored 17 points. I thought, let's mention that the three there, the field goal from Nicholas Barmira, the transfer from UCLA, from 47 yards out would have been good from 55-plus. So really exciting to see that. But they look like an offense that had practiced together in, in this system 13 times. And that's what they look like. You know, they, they yeah. still got a lot of kinks to work out and a lot of things to figure out. When they get a couple of real tight ends into the end of the mix come this summer, that, you know, things will change a little bit. Um, and, and when you, when they are, when they're playing with all of the, the, the cards in the deck, they'll look a little different. But yeah, there's enough early on to, to look at it and go, okay, they, they can be effective next year. You know, with Ole Miss, there are a bunch of different areas that you can look at. The, the The defensive conversation is almost a conversation for another day, and it's almost a and, and that's because they got to get some more players. But they, they're gonna they're gonna get after it big time. What May first is that when the transfer portal opens? It's open now. Open now. Remember, open now. it got moved. Yeah. Up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. J.J. Pegues gives you a chance on the defensive line. I think they really want to see what time alone can give. Joshua Harris, nice player on the defensive line. I think there's some concern about the ability to go get the quarterback with edge rushers, especially when you think about... And you've only got um, two that you know can play anyway, right? I mean, it's just Johnson and Ivy, and... It's not like they've produced high-level sack numbers. I mean, you know they can play. You know they're capable. Johnson yeah. especially is. I think he's going to play at the next level. Maybe not be like a, you know, big contract first-round pick kind of guy, but yeah, he's certainly capable of being on a professional roster. But it's the SEC. Yeah, they they need edge rushers, and they got to find some linebackers. Now, Centurion Perkins coming in. That could could potentially help, but you're also talking about a freshman. Maybe he is the rare freshman that steps on campus and, and re- is ready to play. He doesn't look like a freshman, right? He didn't look like a senior on the high school football field. He's not going to look like a freshman on the college football field. But there is a learning curve, and guys, I'm here to tell you, what they are going to ask of these guys from a football IQ standpoint on the defensive side of the ball is unlike... It's unlike anything that I've ever seen before at Ole Miss. 
Wait, but I, I was told that Pete Golding sucks. Pete Golding doesn't suck. <laughs> I know. Both those things can be true. Yeah, I was told that. I've never seen anything like this before because they're so terrible. Well, hey. I've never seen defenses bad. Now, imagine what you just said, Richard, that that Ole Miss defensively. And by the way, when you watch Alabama play, what what you said is true. They're going to throw a lot at people. If you ask, what what defense is Ole Miss going to run under Pete Golding? A lot of them. There's going to be more than just one front that he's going to show you. Now, contrast that with just a few years ago, when the goal was to be as simple as possible. Remember that? Limit the menu. Don't make them think. Now it's, those boys better be smart or else. Yeah. Ask me which one has a better chance to work in the SEC. Well, and and they're going to ask a lot out of the back end of the secondary. They're going to ask a lot out of the, the hybrid, I think they call it a star position. And... Pete Golding said something to us when we were talking on Friday. I wrote this down because I've, I mean, he understands that he is not going to have the talent, certainly not this year, that he had at Alabama. And he said it's kind of a fun challenge. And I said, is it is it a scheme versus talent thing? And he said, well, yeah, kind of. He said, but we've got talented players. He was talking about his guys on the defense at Ole Miss. It's just the number of talented players in comparison to what he was working with. He said the question that that we're working on that we'll scheme for is how do you let guys who can make plays? And I thought it was a – he kind of went a little bit deeper on that. And so I I said, okay, so like with an offense, if you've got a playmaker, you try to scheme him open. He's like, yeah. Yeah. He said, so we're trying to get one-on-ones for our best defensive playmakers, and so what do we do to make the offense think that we are doing something else so that we can get the matchup that we want, whether it's you know two defensive linemen occupying blockers so that a linebacker can come up and make a play, or a, a, a hybrid you know, nickelback can come up because we think he's got a talent. It, it was a fascinating conversation. I, I don't pretend for a second to be Cole Kubelik in terms of X's and O's, like not even close, not on the same planet. But I walked out of that meeting going, I, I kind of need a football thesaurus. Like I, I I need to understand more of what he was talking about to uh, to get to it, to, to really understand. But he was impressive. He was really impressive. Sports Talk Mississippi, that is your college football fix. One, one of the things I want us to talk about as the week goes along, is wide receiver. Chris Marshall became really interesting. They liked Trey Harris a lot. He was very limited in spring. That was the Louisiana Tech transfer. Trust factors high with Jordan Watkins. Jalen Knox looked pretty good. We'll get into that as we go throughout the week. Mike Bianco joins us next. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. What? On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We continue on this Monday with college baseball coaches. Mike Bianco joins us, head coach at Ole Miss, on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. 
and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ole Miss got game one on Friday night. Great pitching performance from uh, Jack Doherty. Mitch Morrell finished it off, and then Mississippi State won the back two in the series. And so, Coach, some good on Friday, but I, I know kind of listening to your post game on the radio, disappointed with the, the totality of the weekend for uh, for your guys. Well, obviously, you got to be disappointed. Uh, you know, you're there to win the weekend, and uh, when you win Friday, um, you know, you, you just, um, you know, and you don't, you don't finish the deal. Obviously it, it's tough. You know, our guys competed hard. Uh, they just, you know, made a few more pitches than us, you know, a few better at bats. It was three really good college baseball games, but you know, not good enough if you're an Ole Miss fan. What did you think about Jack in, in game one? He, he goes six innings, gives up only two hits, only the one earned run. He, he struck out four through right at a hundred pitches in, in the ball game. Was that his best outing of the year? Oh, I think so. You know, against, you know, what we consider a good offense in Mississippi State and, you know, uh, especially, you know, going through that middle with, uh, you know, Ledbetter and, uh, Hines and, uh, Jordan and Hancock, you know, to try to navigate through, you know, that middle of the lineup's pretty tough. And, and, uh, you know, he did it. He pitched it, pitched real well. And, uh, like you said, you know, two hits, but, you know, one of them, uh, you know, Jordan's obviously a no doubter home run, but the other one was a ball kind of lost at dusk, you know, in the, in the lights that, you know, or not in the lights, but, you know, in the, in a kind of a gray sky. So no, he was outstanding. What do you take away from the the second and the third game? You're, you're down in the ninth inning. You come back. You take the lead. Obviously, not able to to hold on there in the bottom of the ninth inning. But but some of that was self inflicted, right? With the the walks to load the bases and kind of put you in that spot. Yeah, without a doubt. I think in both games, you know, we uh, we we you know, gave them free base runners, and that's tough. Um, and when you're going to do that at the end of the game, you know, on somebody else's field in front of great crowds and great atmospheres, I mean, you're just, you know, you're just kind of, you're playing with poison, you know, there. And so, you know, you, we got to on Saturday, uh, it's hard to, to expect to win a game when you, when you walk three in the final inning, you know, when you're trying to finish it out. So that's not how you do it, you know, and that's not how you draw it up, obviously. Uh, so that, that's tough, but, but also, you know, the, like I've said, you know, you could, we can be critical of the bullpen, which is deserving. Uh, we could be critical, you know, you know, at times of the starting pitching. We could be critical of the offense, and you know, uh, you know, not scoring, you know, more runs and extending leads, and you know, certainly could be critical of the coaching. So uh, there's enough blame to go around, but you know, that was you know a tough one. You know, on Saturday we we thought you know it was one that maybe we were going to take from them or steal from them if you had, you know, if you want to put it that way, where you know we we have a comeback, you know, a, a good top of the ninth, and you know, kind of a kick in the gut not to finish it out. I heard you tell Brad Henderson after the game on the the radio yesterday that you you really believe if your guys continue to compete the way that they did this weekend that, that there's an opportunity for some good in the second half of uh, a conference play and it certainly doesn't get any easier with the number one team in the country coming in this weekend. Take me just a little deeper on that though. You know what you're seeing in practice, what you're seeing from your guys on a on a day to day basis that that gives you that belief that they can continue to not just compete but to get some wins. Well, you know that's it. You got you got to continue to compete, and you got to be careful because it's it's easy to get emotional. And I know you know fans can do that. That's that's fine, and you know that. But that's not what we get paid to do, and that's what not the players aren't supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to you know get into the game and get into the fundamentals of the game, and you know try to make pitches and and win pitches offensively and those types of things. And uh, on the mound, we've gotten better, and we're getting a little healthier. And uh, and you know I thought we we've pitched better the last few weeks. You know. Uh, it sometimes hasn't shown up, 
you know, in the result page. But, you know, we, we certainly are, if you look at our numbers, our ERA has gone down and we've done a, good, a better job of that. We've done a better job of catching the ball. You know, we, we thought we could field. We fielded the ball really well at the beginning of the year when we got the conference play and, and you know, kind of, you know, that, that the gloves haven't shown up. But the last few weeks, you know, our fielding percentage has gone up about 10 points, which is huge in fielding percentage. So we've played better. Uh, we've played, uh, and I think we've been in more games, you know, uh, you know, of late. Uh, we just haven't won them. And so with half the season left, if we can, you know, continue to do that, I think we're going to have more success. On the, the defensive stuff, there's one guy to me, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this. It feels like there's been a big turnaround. Leger had that, that stretch where he didn't have, I don't know, maybe a great feel for it defensively, but he has made over the last couple of weekends some huge plays at third base for you. No, he has, and he's really swung it well, and his average is going up some, but, you know, he's, it's unfortunate because he's really hit some really hard balls that, you know, went right at, you know, some defenders and did that again, you know, in Starkville. Uh, he's playing a lot better, and a lot of times when you're swinging it better, you, you tend to field it better, you know, and ever, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at some of the older guys at transfers, they're still new. And so even though they're older and you hope that the, you know, they're going to be able to transition fast into you know, what they can be as a player uh, you know, uh, sooner because they're older. Um, you know, sometimes we forget that you know, it's the first time some of those guys have ever played in this type of baseball, and uh, he's played his best baseball the last couple weeks for sure. You told us last week that you thought the plan for, uh, for Hunter Elliott was going to be to pitch this weekend uh, against LSU and that I don't know that you were committing to it, but kind of what he's done made you think that that might be in a starting role. Are you any farther along uh, now that you're into into the week where he's supposed to return on what that's going to look like? Yeah, I'm sorry to break the news to you, but I, I don't have that news yet. He'll throw a bullpen tomorrow, and then we'll probably evaluate you know on Wednesday and Thursday how he feels. I, I think he's still, you know, uh, we are still looking at this weekend as, that's going to be the case, but you know, you know where that's going to be and how we're going to use them. You know, and again, it's not trying to, you know, keep any secrets close to the vest. I think we just don't want to get ahead of ourselves, and so um, he'll kind of throw his final bullpen uh, on uh, tomorrow afternoon, and then we'll kind of evaluate on Wednesday and Thursday how he feels. But he did throw to live hitters uh, Friday morning early before we left for Starkville. Uh, he threw 30 pitches um, at 33 to be exact. I think, and uh, looked great. Velocity's been great. He's had no hiccups, so you know he's hit every mark you know, through the, re- re- uh, the the rehab protocol, and and looks great. But you know, I'd like to get through tomorrow's bullpen before we you know uh, make any decisions on the weekend yet. As as we wrap up, I'd love to get your thoughts on one kind of bigger picture baseball conversation. We got the news last week that there's some pretty significant changes that are coming to the recruiting calendar. You are not going to be able to what I guess talk to players that you're recruiting until August 1st going into their junior year. When you heard that, and you, you may have known that, th- that it was coming anyway, what does that mean for you guys? Is this good for college baseball? Is it good for the recruiting process? I, I understand it, and, and I respect that. I think all – well, I should say all. I get in trouble saying that. I think most college coaches would prefer to be back like it was 15, 20 years ago where you were recruiting one class rather than four, and now when you throw on top of it, you got the transfer portal and NIL. There's a lot to you know, a lot to juggle you know, throughout the, the you know, recruiting process and trying to you know, put together a, a roster and roster management. So I understand that. I'm just hopeful that if you're going to put all these rules in, that you're going 
going to be really strict if you find out that people are breaking the rules, you know, and it's, it's, it's really, um, you know, difficult to just think, well, well, we can check their university phone and make sure that the calls aren't being made or taken. Uh, man, that's tough. You know, I, I don't know, you know, I think a lot of times when you make rules, uh, you know, people try to push right up against the rules or even past the rules, but I understand yeah. it and, uh, uh, I get it, you know, and I'm, I'm all for it. As someone who's had multiple sons recruited, are, are you on board with the idea that maybe a 14 or a 15 year old is not really prepared to make their full time college decision in eighth or ninth grade? Um, that makes a lot of sense, but but it's unfortunate. It's not necessarily. Uh, it's it's the pressure that you know their people are making them have to and putting pressure on families and you know the. Um, you know, to, to play travel baseball and other kids are getting called by coaches. I think that, that the kids are feeling that clock, you know, ticking much sooner than they need to be and they shouldn't have to have to do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you know, uh, and part of it is once the kid commits, you know, in baseball, people feel like that's where he's going to school. In football, it's not until right, the kid signs the national level tent. Baseball kid commits when he's fourteen, and you know, no, no, nobody you know usually recruits him after that. And so, you know, um, so you know, we're 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 a lot different. But uh, I think it's um, I think it's wise, and, and I'm hopeful that you know this is going to change some things. Um, will it? I don't know, but I'm hopeful. Arkansas State tomorrow night in Jonesboro, then LSU coming up this weekend. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next Monday. Thanks, Richard. That's Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Interesting thoughts there. On It's not, in his mind... You know, talking to kids that age about the college, it's the the coaches that are like, if you don't commit now, then your spot's going to be given to Johnny over there in Bradenton or whatever, and that makes sense, and that can be scary, but that shouldn't be forced on a fourteen year old. So you you got to end that practice somehow, and punishing coaches, as we know, the NCAA that doesn't do that well. So the most interesting thing to me is. How do you treat the kids that are committed to you now? You've got ninth, tenth graders who are committed to you now. You can't talk to them. Are they still really committed? I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, and and our schools committed in the other direction, right? I mean, Chris Lamona yeah. said they'll stay committed to us. We'll stay committed to them. When we talked with him in the uh, the four o'clock hour, so we'll see. It can be interesting times for baseball is going up. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> On Super Talk Mississippi. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. You must love as a man insane. You broke my wind, but what a threat. Good and this get wreckage and quitting balls of fire. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. So we get a question on the ceasefire text line, and it says, how many teams do you think will get in to NCAA regionals from the SEC? Um, and the question is like, you got a bunch, you know, 
RPI top 30. Everybody in the SEC, I think it said it was top 53 in the RPI. I haven't double-checked that. I was just I was pulling up the standings right now. So, I mean, there's some that, like, there's not a debate, right? I mean, LSU's in. Arkansas's in. Um, standings right now in the league are this. Vandy at thirteen and two on top of the East. Florida eleven and four. South Carolina ten and four. Kentucky ten and five. Those four teams are in. I mean, assuming that they don't just like fall off the map. But with those four teams, I mean, Kentucky number one RPI, Kentucky number one strength of schedule. South Carolina number two yeah. RPI. Vanderbilt number seven, and Florida is eleven. Kentucky can go four and eleven the rest of the way. They're still in. Yeah. Um, Arkansas at eleven and four, number five RPI, number nine strength of schedule. LSU, LSU is only nine and five. Yeah, they are. They they have won four series and they split a series with a right now. They've only played fourteen conference games. They've lost five of them, but they remain the number one team in the country, number three in the RPI, number seven strength of schedule. Then it gets a little, hmm, Texas A&M is trending in the right direction. Won their series this weekend against Missouri. Scoring more runs, pitching it pretty well. They're 7-8 and in the league. I would expect... RPI is 45. Yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. But, I mean, as long as they keep winning, they'll be fine. I think it's actually bumped up to 42. I mean, depending on which RPI okay. you're looking at. And I'm they're Warren Nolan right now. Yeah, I've got it on D1 Baseball. Okay. I mean, Auburn's at 43 in the RPI. I mean, Georgia's at 38 in the RPI with the number four strength of schedule, but Georgia's 4-11 and 11 in the league and 19-17 and 17 overall. So it's like you got two things going here. Yeah. You know you know you got to win 13 or 14 games in the league, minimum. 15 is a lot. 14, you're probably in. And then where are the RPI numbers? I mean, so so if you're doing Mississippi State at 5 and 10 right now in conference play, 22 and 15 overall. I don't know that the overall record matters. We're looking at, at conference. Yeah. So if you think State has to get to 14, that means they got to go 9 and 6. If you think they got to get to 13, they got to go eight and seven. Mississippi State's RPI currently is twenty-five, and their strength of schedule is three. The, there's these three teams right here, right? Tennessee, Mississippi State, Missouri. Warren Nolan has them twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Uh, D one has them twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five as well, mm-hmm. and they're all five and ten in the conference. I mean, that's not going to be good enough. They're going to some. These teams have to elevate their conference records. Or they're going to be one of the highest RPI teams you've ever seen not get in. And then, you, I mean, in that already, you have Missouri has swept Tennessee. Yeah. State and Tennessee play later this year, playing uh, playing uh, two weeks. So, so, so if history so. holds, you're going to have to win more games. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so, so for that group of teams that's five and ten. If you assume 13 wins with a really good RPI gets you in, that means Missouri has to go 8-7 and seven the rest of the way. 
Tennessee's got to go eight and seven the rest of the way. Mississippi State's got to go eight and seven. Auburn's got to go eight and seven. Alabama would have to go seven and eight to get in. And, and then you start looking at the the remaining schedules, and you're like, okay, well, can you can you find eight more wins? Can you find nine wins? Can you find seven wins? And for some teams, the answer is yes. But not everybody's going to do that. I mean, for Ole Miss to get to 13, they've got to go 10 and 5 down the stretch. To get to 13 wins in conference play, they've got to win 10 of their next 15 games. They haven't won a series yet. So, so how do you, how do you go ten and five in your final fifteen to get to thirteen and seventeen in the league? Well, you either win every series, two out of three every weekend for the last five weekends of the year, or you got to mix in some sweeps. Yeah, and is thirteen enough? I mean, it may not be. Maybe, but it may not be. Uh, Probably depends on where the thirteen comes from. So, Ole Miss's remaining remaining schedule is LSU. Georgia, in no particular order. LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Missouri. So Auburn, Alabama, and Missouri, and Georgia have combined for 5, 10, 16, 20 wins in league play. And then you got LSU. I mean, it's a schedule that... If you start playing really good baseball, if Hunter Elliott returns and is like him, his old self, by the way, let, let's say that Hunter Elliott is on a very stringent pitch count this week. Mike Bianco said he threw 33 pitches to live hitters last week. Let's just say that he can throw 50 or 60 pitches in a game. Which of the three games is he starting this weekend? You're going to start him on Sunday in JT Quinn's spot? Quinn pitched okay. I mean, I'm, can't Quinn pitch? So did, so did Rivas, I thought. I mean, you're definitely not starting him Friday. You, you don't want to waste that. You don't want to waste right. those pitches because throwing against Skeens is a waste. So, yeah, Saturday or Sunday? Probably Saturday if I had to guess. Do you bring what him would... out in relief uh, for a clean start of an inning? So not like with runners on first and second in and out, but you, you bring him in. Yeah. That's what State did with Cade Smith. They they, they his first re- his first return to action was yeah. a relief appearance, and then he started and he threw I think forty five or fifty pitches against Alabama. He threw seventy pitches uh, f- on Friday, and Lamona said that going forward he'll just be good to go. He's good. Yeah. And, and so, look, it's not like if Hunter Elliott rolls back and let, let's say he can throw 50 pitches this weekend against LSU. It's not like the next week he can go 110. I mean, it's, it's right. a, there, there's a ramp up thing. You know, it gets warmer and you hope that he feels stronger and feels good and feels confident. It's kind of like, you know, going through your inner squads into the beginning of the year. Um, I, I guess what I was getting to was ultimately, do you try to return to what you had hoped you could do at the beginning of the year, where Jack Doherty is the guy that you hand it to out of the bullpen to try and go finish off a game? Or did Jack show you enough on Friday night against Mississippi State that you're like, no, that's one of our starters? 
But because starting pitching was pretty good this weekend yeah. for Ole Miss, the issues out of the bullpen. I do think if Elliott returns and he returns healthy, you put Doherty back in the pen. He may be the most suited to do that. Yeah, because he's done it because he's done so many different things. Yeah, and hasn't exactly been consistent as a starter, but this Friday yeah. was really really good. Yeah, the the best that he's been since he pitched in Omaha. And like I don't even know that there's a close second. So, look, I mean, there, there's no guarantee that if Ole Miss did go ten and five the rest of the way to get to thirteen and seventeen in the SEC, that thirteen is enough to get you in. I, you know, let's say you go ten and five to get to thirteen and seventeen, and the RPIs, you know, thirty. And you're the reigning national champs. Maybe you get a nod. Maybe. Maybe. It just seems like that's... Because somebody asked me last night, he said, why is everybody talking about the pitching when the hitting disappears? And I said, when you're 3-12 and in conference, you're not good at anything. The top of the order is good. I mean, Alderman's having a great year. Gonzalez is having a great year. I mean, so they're not exclusively bad like every single player on the field. Mm-hmm. But they're bad at everything. They don't get consistent starts on the mound, albeit they have been better lately. They're not very good out of the bullpen. They've cost themselves some games by being bad in the field. Offensively, they disappear, especially, oddly enough, in the third game of series. For some reason, that's the game where they struggle the most. Yeah. It's everything. And, and so, look, if you're looking to this weekend, LSU's got some significant injuries especially on the mound. And so you go, well, maybe. Ole Miss has got to stop giving up home runs. They've given up 60 home runs this year to opponents. Wow. And partner partners, LSU's got some guys that can rake. And it's not just Tommy Tanks. It's not just Dylan Cruz. It's Braden Joe Bear and Super Talk Mississippi. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dan, in the midst of your busy weekend, did you have time to properly celebrate the play of Austin Reeves and Ryu Hachimura? You know I did. You, you want to add those Grizzlies wins to the bet still? You sure all good on that? Uh, well, you know. If John pro- Morant's not sure, going to play, you're not? Trouble. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, the only think, hope I've got. I'm I happy think we're to, done. yes. Yeah. No, we're done with that. But, yeah, that was, that was a big win. Like I said, if John Morant's out, that's going to be a tough series for the yeah. Grizzlies. I thought Anthony Davis was going to be out for a minute there, and then they came back, thankfully. Reeves is a player, man. He can play. He's him. So, yeah. yeah, Ja gets hurt, Giannis gets hurt, although it doesn't look too bad. But Yeah, he'll be back, it looks what, like. Did Tyler Hero break his hand? I mean, people are dropping like flies right now in the playoffs. Tyler Hero's good. Yeah, he did. He did break his hand. He made a three with a broken hand. Jeez. Uh, congratulations to Jalen Hurts, who has uh, agreed Ooh. on a five-year, $255 million extension, including... 
179,304,000 guaranteed. Biggest contract in terms of average annual value in NFL history. Deshaun Watson's $230 million last year uh, is fully guaranteed. That's still biggest in terms of guaranteed money, but in terms of average annual value. Jalen Hurts, biggest contract ever. Not bad for a guy who couldn't hold the starting job at Alabama. Imagine in 2018 when he's on the bench at Alabama, if I had told you that you know, five years later, he was going to be the highest paid player in NFL history. I think we all would have had a little trouble believing that. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you mean Tua, right? How about that? That's what getting a Super Bowl yeah. gets you. Two things, and, and we should probably spend more time on this tomorrow, actually, because it, there's a lot of ripple effects that come with this. Number one, the Cleveland Browns are still remarkably stupid as a franchise. <laughs> uh, just mind-blowing. But you know what this means? Patrick Mahomes, with his half-a-billion-dollar contract, is already a bargain. Mm-hmm. Already. I mean, it is what is already... Burrow going to get? Oh, my gosh. What is who going to get? Burrow. Burrow. What is Justin Herbert going to get? I mean, a lot. Patrick Mahomes is now the fifth highest-paid quarterback on annual value. He's already number five. He'll be seven by this time next year. How long until they redo his deal? I mean, he's got next year. He's got nine years left on it. How much matter. leverage yeah, does he have? That don't matter. I mean, a lot. I don't know, man. They uh, think you. You've Has got Josh Allen gotten years. his big contract yet? There's another one. No. No, he has. Oh, yeah, he's he's man. two million below. Yeah, Mahomes. He's, he's got. The, he's two million below. Yeah. So he'll get redone in a year or two as well. Remember Dak's contract, how big that was? He's tied for yeah. seventh with Danny Dimes and Matt Stafford. <laughs> Saw Dak this weekend. He seemed to be having a good time. He likes his college baseball, yeah, doesn't he? He does. And the state did a good job this weekend of bringing back former players. Jeff Simmons was in town. Willie Gay was in town. Um, wonder what they were asking Jeff well. Simmons for. Hey, buddy, congrats on the contract. I, Let me introduce you to Charlie I, I Winfield. Was told, <laughs> I was told there was a celebration in Starkville. I didn't get an invite, <laughs> but uh, Jeff Simmons threw, threw a little bash. So I got a kick. My buddy uh, Joel Coleman put on Facebook, he had a picture of him interviewing Dak when he was in college, and then a picture of them this weekend. He's like, we've done really well. Combined, we make north of $40 million a year. Yeah, well. It's like, true story. Well, well done. I, I, I thought about doing something like that on Instagram this weekend as like uh, a picture of Chris Doring and me like, hey, two guys that combined have like got 50 touchdown catches in the SEC. Yeah. that's a, I'm a big fan of those kind of – if you can get those kind of pictures and those kind of, of quips, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah. Um, do you think it's good that State doesn't play Southern tomorrow night? Yeah. For, for two reasons. One, we just mentioned RPI. State needs to keep that as high as they can so that if they do have, get to 13 wins, they're not sitting there at like 45, 48, something like that. They want to be good. And two, just to give a chance to rest all your pitchers. I understand Lamonis, he's a competitor. He likes to play. I like to get some guys some at-bats. But a chance to rest all your pitchers, why not? You need it. So you get State on the road against Auburn this coming weekend. Those are going to be big. You've got uh, Ole Miss hosting LSU. Those are huge, and you got Southern Miss headed to Coastal Carolina. 
this coming weekend. Also, huge big weekend of baseball in the Sun Belt Conference, no doubt uh, about that. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, a baseball Monday, as always, with some spring football mixed in. We got plenty more this week for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your Monday night. business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll, MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff, MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.